My name is Belinda Granger and I'm the professional liaison for Challenge Family. I'm also known throughout the triathlon world as being a bit of a mother hen to the pro athletes. Of course, given the current circumstances, I've been thinking about the athletes a lot lately. So we came up with the idea of Coffee Calls with Belinda, which basically gives me and you an opportunity to check in with them all and see how they're all going. So welcome to the official Challenge Family podcast. I think it's time for a coffee. Okay, welcome back to Coffee with Belinda. Uh, I am here today, I was going to say this morning, but it's actually this afternoon for myself. It's this morning for my young guest. Um, He's a relatively unknown professional triathlete, but I have a sneaky suspicion that there are big things to come from this young man. Welcome, uh, Kieran Linders from Great Britain. Now, listen, Kieran, what time is it over there in um, GB right now? Uh, So it's currently 20 past eight. Okay, okay. So... It's nice and early in the morning because obviously this is a coffee with Belinda, but it's now uh, 5.22 in the afternoon for me. And I'll be honest, I don't have a cup of coffee by my side. I have a glass of red wine. But I've been told that, you know, as long as it's past five, totally, totally allowed. So I hope you don't mind that while we do this podcast, I will be drinking a a glass of red wine. I hope that's okay. (laughs) Yeah, of course, that's fine. I mean, some people might frown upon that with the coffee, but uh, (laughs) you can't have a coffee before you go to bed. Otherwise, you'll be up all night. This is true. This is true. And then, and that's what I say. I, I always say that my, my glass of red wine every night is medi- for medi- medicinal purposes only. Helps me um, sleep. I'm sure there are doctors out there that could counter that, but that's okay. I'm, I'm going with that for now. <laughs> you could always go for the decaf coffee, but uh, if you're not getting the caffeine kick, I don't think there's much point in it. I no, see that. You, 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 you're speaking my language. I mean, I've never understood decaf coffee um that's like me drinking it's like when i go to germany with the alcohol free beer you know the earning a beer i've never understood it so i'm sorry to all the germans out there sponsored by um erdinger but i've never understood alcohol free beer and i've never understood uh decaf coffee so <laughs> let's get that straight right now now listen kieran uh, 23 years of age a young gun a young a young pup so to speak in the in in the sport of long distance triathlon obviously not a young pup when it comes to uh short course and olympic distance triathlon you've said that you've been in the sport of try now for around nine to ten years is that correct yeah that's that's correct and uh who got you into this into the sport to begin with um so it's, it's a bit of an interesting story I mean when I was coming up through the sport I would say that um it was still at that point relatively unknown or it wasn't um too big in this country uh so when I was younger um my first kind of input into the sport was uh, my mum used to always run cross country for school so um, as any sort of uh, young kid kind of looking up to their parents I started doing cross country and um, it was only for school and only kind of you know just competing for the fun of it and um, I went to a cross country race and I, I just turned up and did did well and um, I got kind of almost scouted by the local athletics clubs to start running with them. Um, and at kind of a similar time to that, I was also learning to swim, just, you know, learning to swim as, as any child would, um, because my mum had always kind of had a phobia of water and especially open water. So oh, she wanted to make sure that... Um, that you didn't. Uh, yeah, that we didn't. And I think the swimming's always got a bit of a funny um, reputation because... Um, well, at, 
I was learning to swim and I got again kind of scouted into a swimming club, a competitive swimming club. So, so what age what age were you when 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 that happened? So the swimming club, I must have been around eight, nine years old. When I started getting into really um, competitive swimming, um, I kind of got picked up into the the club a little bit earlier than that. But that was um, kind of still coming up there, development um, ranks of a swimming club. So I was learning to swim and then I was also kind of learning to swim competitively in the swimming club. Well, that, that, um, I, the reason this is this fascinates me because obviously coming from Australia, swimming is is one of our biggest sports. It's something that we've been very very good at for, forever on a world, um, you know, on a world platform. But normally, our swimmers, our really good swimmers, started from when they were, you know, they, they basically could swim before they could walk. And so, eight or nine years of age over here isn't particularly young. And for a swimmer of your caliber. I'm quite surprised. I mean, you obviously are a natural when it comes to swimming. Well, it's I always always swimming from. I've always been in the water, but um, I didn't really take swimming competitively as 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 a uh, almost an importance until around that age. That's when I started to get into more of the um, competing side of it. I'd always been swimming slightly younger than that, and and, and been around the water. Um, but I think the the reason that it was so helpful for me was that when because you can swim quite a lot when you're young it gave a really good foundation to the other sports that you might not necessarily have great fitness in because you can't do the kind of impact um so I think that's why there's a big shift at the moment with our athletes is that um we're finding that quite a lot of our triathletes are kind of winning the cross-country competitions and the athletics competitions um, especially with the likes of like Alex Yee and, and people like that. And it's, um, it's funny because a lot of my running friends now, they're, they're doing more cross training. So one of my friends that I used to run with, he, he's doing a lot of cycling now to kind of aid his running. And I think uh, from that younger uh, perspective, when you can swim because it's non-impact, they, um, a lot of people are finding that the, the swimmers kind of get a good base fitness when they're younger, which actually helps aid them in all the other sports that you can't necessarily train for lots when you're young. No, I, I completely agree. And speaking of Alex Yee, I actually got to watch him for the first time ever, um, watch him actually race uh, in Mooloolaba. Uh, not, not, it was actually the last triathlon event that I attended uh, back in March. And he, um, he was incredible. He had a bit of a mishap on the bike um, where he crashed. But to watch him run uh, was truly incredible he is without a doubt one of the most incredible runners in triathlon I, I hadn't I'd heard about it before but obviously I'd never get got to see him run in the flesh and just to see it was was something else he's incredible yeah he's he's, he's incredible and and kind of the, the best thing with him I mean I came up the um, national uh, federation with him mm. as, as part of the programs that we had so he was uh, the younger year than me but he was still in that same um, kind of age when I was coming through up the ITU system. And um, the funny thing with him is, is whenever we were doing easy runs or anything like that, he was always the person kind of at the back. Um, wow. When everyone was, when we all had two big egos racing, yes, I think yes, yes, when, you, yes. when you, when you watch him, um, he's phenomenal. But I think what people don't see is, is, you know, what's going on with his head and, and his ability to kind of, you know, work out, what he needs in each training session and executing it properly. And he had that from a very, very young age, um, yeah, yeah. which is which is very rare to see. 
very rare. I mean, particularly at that age, it's so hard. I mean, as you said, egos get in the way and there's nothing wrong with that and, and, and just competitive spirit. Um, and it's so funny because I still look at him. I actually um, introduced myself to him. He looks so young still. I look at him and he looks like he's 16. I had to actually ask someone, how old is he? Because he, he, he looks like he's still 16 years of age. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's um, he's definitely one to one to watch for the future because, um, I mean, people do underestimate actually how young young he is. I mean, people say that I'm young and he's he's younger than me. So how old he's he's a, a couple a year or two younger than you? Yeah, he's a year or two younger than me. And I also had the pleasure of kind of coming up because um, he was also a London region, so I was right next to him, even from the kind of very foundation level races as well. So I've known him for quite a long time. So, Kieran, how many years did you actually spend um, in the, you know, obviously in short course or, or Olympic distance triathlon before you decided to switch across to the longer distance, the middle distance? So, with the short course, so I, I started kind of racing. So, we, the country, at least when I was growing up, was kind of divided into um, uh, you had the regional kind of racing and then you had our national racing and um usually you had to go through your regional academy or do well in the regional circuit and a lot of that was all non-drafting and it, and again i was doing that purely for fun funnily enough i was uh, i got into triathlon to do cross training for my running and swimming which i was doing at the time so triathlon was kind of never really a a main goal hmm. and um i i raced against um one of my good friends and I found out after the race that he was part of the regional academy and was racing to quite a good level in the national academy. And um, I then got selected to be a part of the regional academy to race uh, the the draft legal um, activities. And I, I started draft legal racing in 2012 and I did that. Um, to 2019, which then I then switched to do Challenge Army, which was the first uh, non-draft um, kind no. of long course race oh, I'd done. Hold on, <laughs> hold on a second. Okay, now I I did not. I knew that you were only new to long distance triathlon, so that part I knew. I did not realize that Challenge Almir, which is a full distance triathlon, was your very first race outside of short course is that what you're telling yeah. me oh my god I um you're crazy so, <laughs> so the way that I got into that race was that um some people are probably aware that the challenge Almir is ITU and challenge uh they kind of joined for their European um championships and I yes. yeah so I I could get into that racing with um essentially without really any long course experience it was if, if you had done etu cups or world cups or european champs in the past you could qualify for that race and um i was having quite a rough time in the early 2019 season i'd kind of got um myself into really good fitness but i was just kind of getting a bit beaten beaten up in the events and just not really getting the results that i felt like i was in the form for and um I would say that into the middle of the season, I was kind of getting quite down and uh, I really wanted a change. And I'd always looked at the long course racing as, as something that I wanted to do, um, especially at least when I was getting into triathlon. It was it was always really impressive if if you could say that you'd done a full distance triathlon. And um, so I made kind of a uh, 
uh, <laughs> a rash decision, a rash to, decision to race long <laughs> to race long course. Um, and the, the funny story is, is that originally I thought it was a half. Oh no! Um, because <laughs> just a, because just a slight it, difference, Kieran. Just a slight difference. Yeah. Well, the the um, qualification sheet it, it had half at the top, and then it just said, um, "Oh, uh, long distance triathlon." And at that time, I thought the half was long distance, yeah, so yeah. I just assumed that it was it was a half because the top was all in half. So um, it's probably going to make you feel even worse that when I realised it was uh, a full distance triathlon, I had ten weeks to prepare from it for my ITU training. Oh my gosh, yeah, crazy! But you know what? Sometimes um, not knowing not knowing what you're actually getting yourself in for is a good thing. But you know what you've just made me realise? You've made me feel a lot better by telling me this story because it was one of the questions I was going to bring up uh, in, the, in our conversation today was obviously I knew that, that Challenge Almira last year was your first full distance race. I did not realise it was your first long distance race of any description. Uh, and I wanted to talk about the fact that Dirk Bockel and I, who were doing the live commentary at the time, um, had never heard of you. We could see that there was a young boy leading the swim. We... We got the number on. We found out what race number you were. We found out your name. We both looked at each other and shrugged shoulders. We had no idea who you were. We then had to call on our mastermind, Torsten Radder. Thank gosh, for, hallelujah for Torsten Radder because he gets me out of trouble every time. Uh, and who was able to then look look you up, get some stats, and we finally, I think, about maybe about ten kilometres into the bike. Um, we finally found out who you were. But now that you've told me this story, I don't feel so bad about it anymore because you <laughs> actually hadn't done any long-distance racing. So that's making me feel much better. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, I didn't expect it. And to be honest, I'm not going to lie. It wasn't. Um, it was it wasn't the situation that I was expecting. So did you <laughs> uh, talking talking about that race? I mean, obviously, you know you're a strong swimmer, and particularly coming from a short course background, often you find. Uh, when you do make the move up to long distance racing, you you are always going to be at the very least in the front pack, if not leading. So you must have assumed in that race that you would be at least at the pointy end of the field. But did you actually think that you would lead the race for that long? I mean, when were you actually caught on the bike in our meal? Well, so I would say that before the race actually started, I mean, it, it became more of, um, at the time, it became more of a, a challenge of, you know, I just really want to try and um, finish. Finish, of course. And yeah. and and that was that was the big goal more than anything was that um, despite competing to a level in ITU, it was it was the it was kind of the goal just to try something new and and something to really strive for. And um, at the time, I knew that in 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 terms of the the distance change, the swim wasn't really ever a, a thing to, that I worried about because. Mm you know, and quite comfortably do 5k sets and, and things like that. So that was never a, a worry to me. It was always the bike and the run that was the worry. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of developed this, especially in training at least, I kind of developed a, a thought pattern of, well, if I can maintain swimming without kicking, um, I can kind of train the other two to be, um, to kind of bring them up and just kind of maintain the swim. And I knew from the previous results that to hold that front end swim, I'd have to hold kind of around 73, 74 pace. 
Um, so I kind of worked my ability around kind of swimming that pace as relaxed as possible. And um, the funny thing about Almir was that I went off and I have a breathing pattern where I breathe um, 20 to my left side and 20 to my right side. Um, oh, okay. And then to and then to change over, I breathe um, every three uh, just to change the sides. And the only reason I, I do that is because um, it was when I was uh, joining a different swimming club. I did it to just avoid injuries. It wasn't really any, it wasn't really a tactical decision or anything. Right, it's just yeah. something that I picked up uh, to keep the sides balanced. And um, I was breathing 20 to my right and the, everyone was there and the pace was was actually quite on. And I kind of was thinking, oh, it's not going to be that 72 pace. It's going to be faster. It's going to be, you know, I might not be able to hang on. And then I switched to my other side. And and then when I come back, switched to the other side, I was then clear. And no I was actually around. really surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that I was. Yeah. And I think everyone had gone really fast for the literally the first 20 strokes. And then I was on my own. So then the kind of the train of thought then was to, to try and swim as fast as I could without kicking. Right. Um, and, and, and then that, and that was kind of the, the, the game plan from, from that point. Uh, and in terms of when people caught me, um, I believe I was clear for probably about the first hour of the bike. Um, and that's, and I was, that was a bit overwhelming because I had loads of bikes around me. And at first <laughs> exactly. I thought it was because I'd done, <laughs> at first I thought it was because I'd gone the wrong way or if, if I'd done something wrong, because, um, <laughs> I'd heard that, um, at least coming from the ITU background, the rules are very, very, very strict. So I was unsure if I'd have dropped a gel or something and it would have been, I don't know, do you, do you know what I mean? I thought I'd done something wrong. or Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and And there was there was one point in the uh, video where I do a really big wobble on the bike. Uh, and that's <laughs> because what you hadn't seen is all the bikes suddenly race up behind me and then it will stop all of a sudden. So I was kind of looking behind going, what's going on? And what's going on? What have I, I done? Nearly, what have I done? I actually nearly crashed oh, <laughs> because no. of it. And had you, done, had you done any research leading into that race? So obviously your first time in a non-drafting full-distance race, which I'm still trying to wrap my head around, by the way, um, At tw- you were 22 then or 22 uh, years of age? Yeah, 22. Tw- 22. At 22 years of age, which is ridiculously young to be doing a full distance race anyway, had you done any research on any of your competitors or did you decide, forget it, doesn't matter anyway, I'm just going to go in blind um, and see what happens? I didn't know any anything about anyone um, <laughs> and it, it, it was – and I, I had that on uh, – on kind of I knew that that was what I was going to do because I, I it wasn't really about – um, no. anyone else and no. I knew people by name so you know I knew that in the previous years Joe Skipper had done it and I know about Matt and um but, yeah. but it's, it's it's kind of um it's kind of that I didn't really know what any of those numbers or times meant so even if I did know that oh they're a, they're a good runner because they can hold I don't know say 330 340 kilometer pace um I don't know what that means or feels like because I didn't race it (laughs) and 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 ITU because you race above that pace I know obviously it's a lot shorter but because you race above that pace kind of every pace doesn't seem feel you know doesn't look that bad until you actually try it true that is so true and you know what you're saying now reminds me so much of Chrissy Wellington when she 
lined up for her very first long distance race, which was Ironman Korea. And she was only told, I think, two or three weeks beforehand that she would be doing that. And she was only doing short course before then. Um, and then turning up in Kona later that year, she had zero idea of her competition. She, and and, and I, this is legit. I mean, I trained with her, so I know. She had no idea of her competition um, apart from the girls that she trained with in her squad. Um, and she had zero idea of what she was actually capable of running, you know, split paces. So what you're saying is exactly like Chrissy Wellington was <laughs> back in the day. So it's actually a really refreshing way to go into a race because you don't have that stress of, of thinking I've got to stick to this heart rate, I've got to stick to this to this pace, I, I've got to watch for this competitor because it's irrelevant because you don't know anything about anything. So it, I'm, I'm not telling everyone to do it, but it's actually quite a refreshing way to go into your first long-distance race, don't you think? Uh, yeah, ex exactly. And um, I mean, I, I was, I'm very fortunate at, at the time when I was training that I, I was with um, uh, Team Bodyworks, which is a triathlon club in Eastbourne. And um, the coaches there have, have done it and to a very high level as well. Yeah. So I, I had, I had a lot of support going into it and, um, which is great. But it was, it was, it was never about, it was never about what others could do because, you know, at the time, the the goal was to finish, and um, yeah, yeah. funnily enough, it was it was never the, uh, the the biggest shock to me was actually the um, electrolyte um, problem that I had towards the end of the run. That was yes. the that was the um, biggest kind of challenge of of the whole of the whole day. Yeah. Um, well, you're not alone there, Kieran. I mean, I know some of the best professional athletes in the world still struggle with that issue. I think. It's one of those things that to get it absolutely spot on, particularly when, when you're talking about the last um, four to five kilometres or even six to eight kilometres of the marathon, it's it's a tough thing. And, I mean, there's, there are some professional athletes that never really get it right. I was talking to Sarah Crowley only the other night and um, we were talking about Kona last year, you know, and she had that great ding-dong with Lucy Charles. And she said at the end of the day um, what cost her is she just didn't get enough gels in at a crucial point of the race, which was probably only with, with about six to eight k to go, um, she skipped a gel, or she and she skipped an eight. Not that she skipped an eight, she just didn't give it enough credit, so she didn't take enough, and, and it cost her second place. So, you know, that's something that, that professional athletes to this day are still trying to to, to perfect. Yeah, and I, I think that's one of the things I love about the long course racing, which is different to the ITU, is. Um, the ITU is is very much um, a kind of in the moment race. You you kind of are there at the front, or you're not, or you're you're mm. there on the feet, or you're not, or you you've made the pack, or you haven't. Haven't, and, yeah, yeah. And and and, and and one of the things that can make you quite a fierce athlete, short course, is is just your ability to almost throw everything out, out the window and and commit hundred percent, but. One of the things I love with the long course is is everything has to be planned out to such a fine level, and it's yeah. and it's actually sometimes it's it's really difficult to kind of also almost say, do you know what? That's actually too much yeah. at this point, yeah. or or that's not enough, or um, and then the, the there's a very very fine calculations that you make will make a massive difference at the end of the towards day. the end. Yes, absolutely. And, and it takes it takes a strong person to to really work out that 
and um, I've watched reports of, of people that saying that you know I, I purposely didn't do that because I knew it would affect me then and and that's kind of the the level of performance that I kind of aspire to reach or matches not only physically putting yourself out but actually you know making sure that that the mental side's kind of ticking along as well and, and well. really trying to perform that way. Well, I mean, at 23 years of age, for you to be already thinking like this, I think you're ahead of the game to begin with. I mean, you're wise beyond your years. And it's something that, as I said, some professional athletes never give enough credit or enough time to. Um, and even even when I remember back in, back in the day, and we're going back now, Kieran, I mean, I'm old enough to be your mum. Back in the day, you know, even I look back now and I don't think I actually even gave it enough time and effort Um just sitting down on that mental side of things and, and, and like you said, planning everything and to perfection. And, I mean, I've, okay, I don't know if there is such a thing as a perfect race. I and mean, with such a long amount of time that you're out there, can you be out there for eight, nine hours and have the perfect race? I, I just don't know if that exists. But it's about minimising the errors. Um, and I don't think I, I ever gave it enough credit. Back then there wasn't as, as much research around either. Um but if you're already thinking along these lines now, I'd, I'd say that you're you're definitely on the right track, and um, I think long courses are definitely going to suit you. So yeah, and I think I think what you're saying there's very very important where you said about you know you have your downs and it's about how you can kind of come back from that. Mm. And 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 I think that's you know whatever level you are, if is is that you know everyone can go well when they're going well, but when they're you know, when, when things go wrong and, you know, how do you deal with that? Um, and I think that's one of the, the things I love about the, the long course aspect is that when the guys caught me on the bike, I was kind of a bit all over the place and um, they wanted to come past and, you know, they were saying, oh, we're, we're behind you or I hadn't realised. And it was, you know, oh, oh, don't don't worry about it. Great swim. And it was just kind of, that was nice to have that, you know, you'd kind of done something wrong, but everyone was kind of, you know, don't worry about it. Yeah, you know, we're all yeah, in this yeah. together, and um, and I think that's another thing as well with the the long course aspect is because it's so hard just to finish. Um, I remember sitting down with someone saying that um, they were like, "Oh, you know, you you did really well, you did did a really fast time," and I was like, "Yeah, but you were out on course for you know fourteen, fifteen, sixteen hours." You know, <laughs> yep. I was going at my best aerobic performance for however long, and you were going your best aerobic performance for however long. When you were out there, you know. And I, I don't understand how someone can be out performing at that high level for that amount of time. Exactly. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. It's, it, you know, long course racing, even now, I mean, obviously I don't, I haven't raced for five or six years, but I'm still involved and nothing, nothing makes me happier than to be out there watching races um, and watching them unfold. And I am still learning. I mean, I've been in the sport for 25, 26 years now, and I am still learning things about full distance racing it's incredible yeah and and i think and and like you said about perfection and i don't think you'll ever really have the the perfect race or or you can only ever try and come near to perfection because things will go wrong and that's that's the beauty of it it's it's nice to see you know some it's really motivating to see someone really in in the hurt locker and still still going for it and i think another thing that's beautiful with triathlon is because we do three sports, um, we're never the best in the one discipline. And I think when you see 
you know the Brownleys or Cameron Worth or, or people like that that are, that are having that are going and training with um, you know the the best of the individual sports. Mm. You know, you we can always learn off them, and I, I quite like the 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 fact that you know you can be the best in say the triathlon but you'll never be the best in the individual discipline no or, or it, it might be difficult to do if you are in triathlon and I always kind of like the fact that you can learn so much off of off of other people I, I love the fact that like if I wanted to you know work on my swimming or work on my running I could go with pure runners and swimmers and cyclists and, and learn so much more off of them no, that's exactly right. And I think that's, you know, obviously I, I spoke to Cam not long ago and he's he's always, he's been in, in, in you know, professional cycling for quite some time but then crossed over to triathlon. He's one of those superhumans. And now to be able to go back, you know, riding, I'd say, you know, close to full time um, in, a, in the pro, pro cycling ranks but still able to do triathlon, I'm actually, I'm itching, I'm itching to see just how he's going to fare in triathlon, particularly next year, because obviously his goal right now, his focus is on cycling. Um, and so it will be interesting to see just, I know he's still definitely swimming and running. There's no doubt about that, um, but it's limited. So it's going to be very interesting to see how he actually fares uh, next year when we get a full year of racing again, I hope, um, to see how he actually goes. Yeah. And I, yeah, and it is, it is very, very exciting. And, and I, I, always love listening to how people uh, approach their training and and how they approach triathlon in, in general because I came where I was there wasn't a triathlon club um, local to the area so I swam with individual uh, so I swam with an individual club I rode with an individual club and I ran with an individual club and I was always trying to find out what people were doing and it always fascinates me when someone does something really kind of almost perceived as bizarre against and they the do grain really, that's right exactly. yeah against the grain and then but then they become almost kind of a, a forward thinker of of how mm -hmm. you should do things and and I'm I'm a bit obsessed with all of that stuff um because I would like to become a coach and maybe one day have my own club around me which which is why I love learning and about these things and, and trying to find out as much as I can with with people that, that I get the pleasure of meeting and let's be honest, Kieran. I mean, triathlon. When you're looking at other sports, it's it's still it's still a reasonably new sport. I mean, we're still learning and evolving. So I don't think anyone's as yet perfected um, the sport of triathlon. I mean, obviously, it's come a hell of a long way since it started. But I, I definitely think that we are still learning and thinking outside of that of the of the box so to speak and and that's why I think when you've got people like Cam Worth coming from another sport uh going back to it again I, I'm fascinated just like you to see if it's going to work if, he, if he's going to come back bigger and better or if he's going to be if, if it's going to take him back a couple of steps so it's going to be very very interesting to to see and uh you know there's other athletes the same I mean obviously at the moment Jan Fredino is the top dog. Um, he almost seems invincible. I mean, no one is invincible. We know that. But whatever he's doing, he just always seems to do to perfection. And, and for me personally, as an athlete, he seems to be the most precise. Um, and he doesn't, he doesn't tell a lot of people much about his training. I mean, I know we have social media now and most of us know what people are doing, but he seems to keep his cards um, close 
close to him. And we get a little we get little glimpses every now and again. I know we had the um the triathlon the full distance triathlon he did the other weekend, which was amazing. Um, I'm sure you watched some of it, um, which was very very cool. And he raised a lot of a lot of money, which was also incredibly amazing. Um, but we don't really know too much about what he does. But you have to be you have to admit he's he seems to be the athlete that we could probably look at and say, you know what, you've perfected it more than anyone else for now, for now. Yeah, I think in terms of him giving away his training, I was, I was listening to, um, uh, I can't remember what it was, but it was it was a video, I think, of just doing a brief training. And um, he said that he likes to it almost to be um, uh, a big reveal on race day of kind of, it's almost it's a surprise it's a surprise to yeah 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 and, and and i think when you when you look at when you look at what he's done with i mean even little subtle details with the bike position and 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 things like that it's you can see the the level of thought that's that's gone into mm, it gone. yeah um and it, it would it would be fascinating to actually find out what what he does um and I, and i think one of the but the funny thing with that is, is whenever you you have someone of, of doing really really well, following a certain program, the first thought is, well, maybe that program works. But the second thought is, well, if they'd have done that, then how would have that affected their race? And if maybe that program's better, but they're just, I don't know, maybe mentally stronger, so they can, so yeah, that it's true. worked for them. And but yeah, he's um, he's he's kind of fascinating to 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 follow and and I think again weren't talking about what we said earlier with the I think whenever you whenever I watch him he he almost looks like he's he's almost in a in a state of calm and you can just almost see the thought process going on in his mind um and it looks very calculated and very precise and and I think if if you're willing to go to that sort of level of of detail that you know the results will come because you you don't leave a stone unturned no, absolutely. And I mean, obviously, there are different personalities in our sport and, and what suits one doesn't necessarily suit the other. Um, and that doesn't mean that you can't be a champion. But for, for me personally, a Jan Fredino epitomizes as close to perfection as you can get for now. So and as I said, there's, there's many ways to skin a cat. But yeah, he, he for me, he definitely has perfected the art. Now, talking about um, triathletes around the world, obviously, Triathlon culture in Great Britain. I mean, you, as a as as a I won't say country, as a Great Britain, in as a whole, have produced some of the world's best triathletes over the years. I mean, you've got Ali and Johnny Brownlee, Lucy Charles, Chrissy Wellington, uh, Julie Dibbins, Simon Lessing, Spencer Smith, Tim Don, Helen Jenkins. Oh my gosh, the list! And now you know, in short course, Vicky Holland. Um, Jessica Learmonth, Alex, as we were just talking about. I mean, the list is, it's virtually endless. Um, and you've got some great athletes coming through. Simone Mitchell is a new up, up and coming one Ironman Wales last year, and which was so incredible to see. Uh, obviously, Laura Siddle, who you know, um, you just keep producing amazing athletes and not just over one particular distance. It's over the whole field, short and long distance. So can you give me a little bit of insight into the triathlon culture in Great Britain? Because let's be honest, you don't really have the weather. To me, you don't have <laughs> the weather to produce great triathletes. In Australia, you know, we have great triathletes. It's obvious. I mean, where summer 
almost 24-7, all year round. We have great pools. We have great beaches. Um, you can understand why we produce good triathletes in, in Australia. But over the last few years, you guys have been crushing us. So what is it? I want to know what the secret is. Well, I think I think funny you say that because about the weather, because um, a lot of uh, countries and a lot of my friends abroad were saying, you know, how it's so unfair that um, – that, that that they can no longer go outside and oh, not yeah. unfair but 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 it's it, it's, it's you just know, a shitty situation for everyone yeah. I, I totally understand and but it's funny because you know me and uh, I would say quite a lot of the other Brits so over the period of February January and December we were all indoors anyway so anyway, it wasn't really a, it wasn't really <laughs> wasn't really a problem for us it's kind of like oh same old really um <laughs> oh, and I, I I don't know really. I, I think when when I was definitely in kind of 2010, 2011, I would say that not many people actually knew what triathlon was. Um, mm. It really took um, the Brownleys and uh, Tim Don and and you know all of those kind of first batch of almost superhumans from the the UK, and um, it took kind of the 2012 Olympics for it to be really recognised as. Um, as the legit uh, for, for, yeah, for, yeah, for what it was, or, or not even to be recognised, but pe- no one really knew what it was. Mm, okay. Um, it's kind of this thing that, that people knew about uh, the, the, the long course aspect to an extent, but it was only kind of, the, oh, wow, they've, they've done that. What, what a good challenge. It was never – I remember going to school and saying, you know, oh, this is what I do, and people didn't understand what it was or <laughs> kind of was like, why are you doing that or – why don't you just do one of the sports, especially as I mean, most people would consider the three kind of sure, almost the ridiculous. worst concoction <laughs> yeah. of, of, but it's not even that. It's just the, it's, it's just the, you know, the, the choice of sports. It's like, why can't you just pick some more fun things? Um, it, it, honestly, but, Kieran, it really fascinates me because we have triathlon in school. So throughout Australia, not in all, not throughout all of Australia, but I know particularly in Queensland, in Victoria and New South Wales, it is part of our school curriculum. Triathlon is a legitimate sport and it's part of the curriculum. So we have triathletes starting as young as, you know, in primary school. And yet you guys, as you say, I'm sure you don't have it as part of your school, school curriculum, yet you are producing the best triathletes in the world. No, it's, it's definitely not part of our curriculum. <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> I mean, we, we, I mean, we struggle really to get almost a swimming yeah. Uh, in, yep. in in a you know not many schools have um pools so you know if you do have a pool at your school it's a luxury but uh, I, I don't know what makes makes us i think um potentially i think for a lot of people i mean the the uk is in you know quite a nice economics um an economic state and mm. um maybe um it's it's I think the biggest thing with it is it's just a challenge I think over the time um I think you know with with parents and that that kind of once you've done a marathon it's kind of what's what can I do next what's the next challenge and and then I think the triathlon is 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 the challenge and and I think a lot of people have their parents have gone through it um and then the children are getting into it. And as soon as the country got, um, so how our funding works for the sport is um, typically it's you get it from the lottery funding where um, there's just a big lottery and then the the kind of almost the profit goes towards um, certain aspects of the country. And 
uh, one of the ways that you get that is from um, Olympic success and then your participation um, records. So because we did well at the Olympics and Rio, um, we've managed to get as as a sport um, a reasonable amount of funding. And because there's such a good participation, it's then um, gone it's got and it's not amazing funding compared to some of our biggest uh kind of not our biggest sports but but some of the biggest sports sports. yeah i know what you mean but but i think it's just the the appeal and i I think the reason why we're doing um so well is for a long time at least through the 2000s and and probably all the way up to about 2016 and, and still now is that because there wasn't a lot of funding and because it was almost a niche area everyone involved in it just had so much passion yeah and, and, gave and 100%. Yeah. yeah yeah and I, and because they were doing it for free or for voluntary and and I think that's one of the things that sometimes overlooked with it is that because there wasn't a lot of funding in it and because it wasn't well known the people that are actually in the places the are, yeah. are doing it for the for the love and and it's almost um as it gets bigger it's it's trying to hold on to that kind of um, pure purity that that we've had in the country and I, th- I'd probably say that that's why um, the country succeeds in it. That actually makes a lot of sense Kieran I mean there's there's no doubt I, I even know if you're looking just at myself I, I was a age group triathlete before I was pro- a professional triathlete and I got into triathlon because it looked fun and then it was sheer love and now it's become a way of life for me and I have just as much passion for the sport now as I did when I I first started and I think you've hit the nail on the head because you are always going to give your very best whatever you know whatever um area you're in in the sport if you love it 100% then you're you're always going to give 100% so it makes a lot of sense but it's still, I mean, I was when I was thinking of some of the questions to ask you earlier today and I started going through with my husband some of the, the legends, you know, the champions, I mean, we got we got those names in less than three seconds. It's just, and I'm sure I've left out many. I mean, we've got Michelle Dillon, Stewie Hayes. Um, the list is virtually endless. I, I just, I, and Andrew Johns back in the day um, who I used to train with and these these athletes were and are today the best in the world and it still it baffles me because you, on paper you shouldn't be because you just you just in a in an area where you know you don't have like you said you don't have a lot of summer you don't have a lot of outdoors time um but yeah you're dead right I think you, you've hit the nail on the head with that yeah and and, and I think that's the that's that's maybe one of the things because it it you know, over the winter and and the weather and things like that, because it you guys is are just hard. Not, That's what not ideal. Hard. <laughs> well, that and and also the ones that that are doing it are kind of doing it above, you know, a point where if the weather is bad and you're still going out on the bike, you know, you're actually quite committed to to exactly. doing 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 that. Whereas when it is a nice weather um, and everyone's out, it's it's a lot easier to do that. So. Maybe that's so one true. reason why. So true. Let me let you in on a little secret. I know I knew when I was coming towards the end of my career because if I got up in the morning at five thirty or six o'clock in the morning and there were wet roads, so not necessarily raining, Kieran, just wet roads. It was like, no, can't ride wet roads. Sorry, <laughs> cannot ride. <laughs> so you know, there's a little bit of a difference there, Rosie. I'm sure you are well and truly used to riding on wet roads. It's not. It's not even something you'd contemplate. Yeah, it's no, a, it's uh, it's just a done deal. It's just a, 
and if it if it's not wet roads, it'll be um, a flooded road, and you, you ride <laughs> yes. through, and, and it and it waters up to your knees, and and it's quite a good stability practice, oh. to be honest. Oh, that's funny. It's uh, that's hilarious. Now, listen. Obviously, um, we do need to talk about current times and the craziness that is our world right now. Um, you know, I'm here in Australia in, in in a little town called Noosa, where our restrictions are relatively easy compared to many other countries around the world. Uh, in fact, in Noosa, I mean, I work from home anyway, so if I was to be brutally honest, my, my life really hasn't changed too much. I mean, the, the biggest thing is that, you know, obviously I can't meet my friends because we're not allowed to be in groups of more than two and can't go out for dinner. It's just takeaways, takeaway coffee, takeaway food. But tell me a little bit about the restrictions that you have in place right now in, in, the, in the UK because um, I spoke to Laura Siddle, who obviously beelined it back to the UK, got there just in time. She gave us a little bit of an insight where she is um, in the UK. Where are you? Where are you actually based right now? Um, and what are the restrictions like for you personally? So I'm based in Eastbourne, which is um, on the south coast. It's near Brighton, um, not too far away from London either. Uh, and the restrictions in the UK currently, um, we've just been in, our lockdown's just been extended. Um, and the lockdown essentially is you try and stay at home as much as you can. If you're going out, it's only really for vital supplies, for food or medicine, things like that. Um, we have been granted uh, one time a day where you can go out and exercise. Um, the rules on that are, are quite loose. Um, which has caused um, a bit of confusion in the country. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and I, I'm sure people are, know what I'm, I'm talking about with that if they're in the UK, um, which is which is nice. I mean, I think the, the, the big way up is is some some other countries saying, well, why are you allowing people out? And the defence is, well, you know, if you've got to keep people fit, otherwise their immune system's low. And, and I, I think agree. because it's 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 such a new thing, for in terms of, of we haven't had this yeah we haven't yeah. had this uh, no one really knows the best approach and and it, it, it's quite tough for any government or any anyone to know what's doing and and that's one of the things that I'm trying to kind of <clears throat> I'm trying to um to some of my friends and um that are in the sport that are maybe getting frustrated because uh events might not be telling you know what's happening but I think the, the problem that you've got know. is is they don't know exactly. So That's like right. with, with Salu, it wasn't challenge saying we're not racing. It was the government saying no, nothing. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it's very tough for, and, and almost for myself at the minute with planning stuff, it's, it's kind of like, well, I can't plan to race because I'm going off the assumption of someone else's assumption that the mm -hmm. government is going to allow it to go ahead. And it's, and, and one of the things I've, I've tried to kind of look at as much as I might get annoyed or upset that I can only go out once. It's kind of like, well, at least I can go out once. That's right. Exactly. And, and, and with that as well is it's kind of like triathlon is, is a luxury to do. And you, you kind of went, if I'm getting upset about, I don't know, I can't go for a swim or I can't go for a ride. There's someone else out there that is, that is dealing with, with tragedies that, but it's almost like you kind of have to look on yourself and go, why am I even upset? Yeah, because I, it's, I it's not. It is is a luxury. 
Uh, and when I sometimes go, well, uh, you know, at least I can go. I mean, I'm, I know Pablo, for example, he can't leave at all. So he's no, all indoors. No, that's right. Pablo De Pino, That's yeah, exactly right. I mean, in Spain and Italy, all of our amazing triathletes there, they, and you've got to think some of these triathletes live in apartments. They don't, I think of me here at home with a backyard and a pool, et cetera. And then you think a lot of people that in, in France, in uh, Italy, in Spain, they live in apartments. So that's it. There is nothing. There's no backyard. There's no pool. Um, they're stuck inside 24-7. And I was telling you earlier before we started the podcast tonight that I, I think if, if, if I look at a week, six days of that week, I'm on top of it and I can deal with it and I'm all good. And then I have that one day a week where I have a little bit of a meltdown. But you know what? You kick yourself up the butt and you get over it because at the end of the day, this is such a new thing for everyone. And I, I, I as much as I get shitty with my government and I'm sure you do with yours and you know the the to and froing and and like you said the ambiguous rules like the ambiguity of not of saying okay well you're allowed out once a day well what does that mean for an hour for two hours can I go and train all day um and we expect our government to give us precise information but like you said they don't know it's not like they've dealt with this ever before it's it's a new thing so Sometimes I think we need to just take a breath and give a little bit of leeway here and just try and stay positive. And like you said, you're allowed out once a day, so I'm going to use that once a day. Thank you very much, and I'll, I'll take that because there are some people that aren't getting out at all. So you're dead right. Yeah, and 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 uh, again, it's kind of the the thoughts are going out to the, the people that are on the front lines oh, that are having absolutely. to deal with it every day. You know, I've got um, a friend who who's who's a really 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 good swimmer and his his dad is a, a doctor and he's sleeping in the back garden in a tiny two-man tent <sighs> no through way. the thunderstorm <laughs> that that went on last night and just because he doesn't want to be in the he, house with with his family yeah because wow. because he is he is someone that is that's that is working crazy. on yeah. the front line with it and yeah. he doesn't want to pass it on and that's the kind of when i go Oh, uh, you know, I'm a bit upset because I can't go for this or that today mm. or oh, my race was cancelled. It's kind of like, well, you know, that guy is not only working the hours beyond any workload, but can't he's also then having to come home and sleep in a tent. Yeah. yeah, can't even spend his off time, his, you know, time to relax with his family, which is yeah. crazy. I mean, I think the one way that I'm trying to think of it at the moment is that that as, as much as it is, is is a tough time, it's kind of, after um, one of the races were cancelled, I, I, I almost had a week where I was a bit like, you know, I, I kind of allowed myself to kind of almost sulk a little bit. Which is um, fine. I think everyone's allowed is, some sulking time. Let's be honest. I, yeah. I don't, then, I don't have anything against that. That's for sure. Yeah. But then I used that to kind of think, well, you know, I've, I've got all this time now. What, what am I going to do about it? And um, for some, for, for quite a few people and um, at least kind of the athletes at my level is, um, that is kind of trying to build their profile within the professional side of the sport is that um, a lot of us are still working part-time to yep. kind of fund it and, and to get to races. It's kind of like, well, actually now I'm for the first time in kind of all my life, I'm essentially a full-time athlete because I, I can't work. And I, mm. I so what, what am I going to do with that time? And it's in, in, in one way to look at it is it's kind of exciting to explore like what, what, what would it be like to train full-time or what, what could I, how could I shuffle my training around? Because, you know, if I really mess up today, I could have today totally off or I could have the next two days off. And 
you know, I've always wanted to see what would happen if I did a double run day or if I rode before I swam or if I swam or not swimming, but if, if I rode before I ran or ran before I, I rode and how that would work. And, you know, if, if, if I find out that the doms are too bad or yep, I've yep. a bit too much, you know, I can have the next couple of days off because there's no stress that I'm leading up to a race or there's no um, stress that, that there's, there's something that's going to come in the way. Um, so you can definitely do some world. So you can you can explore what works and doesn't work because every athlete is an individual and every, what works for one does not work for another. So really interesting point, Kieran, and you can see what actually works for you and your body. And if you do muck it up, it doesn't matter, does it? Yeah, so, exactly. And it gives you that it gives you that kind of freedom to to try something. And if you fail, oh oh dear, what do we learn from it? You know, do did again. I do that way? And, and then, yeah, yeah and, and and I think that, that if, if if anything else, you know, you can look at that. And it's kind of funny that, um, so the, because I'm having to do most of my, um, all of my swim work kind of indoors. Um, I have braved the sea a, a, a couple of times because I'm fortunate that I can walk to the sea from, from uh, the house that I'm in. But um, right, tell me, tell me one I'm, thing before you go any further. How cold is the water? The coldest I've been in is uh, 8.3. Oh, my God. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I yeah, think so, currently here in Noosa it's uh, 24 degrees. So, <laughs> so yeah, I have to um, – wow. I wear two layers uh, – I've been wearing two layers of gloves, socks, oh. um, wetsuit, and I've, I wear them full thermals under – like thermal leggings, thermal t-shirt oh, under, and I can insane. I can just about manage fifteen minutes, but I can't do that too many times. <laughs> no, no, um, no. I'm not sure that's so good for your heart, but that's that, <laughs> no. that's commitment, Kieran. Wow, that's insane. But the but it's funnily enough the the indoor swimming stuff that I've been doing, and if anyone's curious of what that is, um, we've got uh, a, a links on the challenge website that takes you to a video and a a, a word document which will take you through what I'm trying to do with the swimming indoors anyway. But I've actually found that I've got stronger from oh, doing that interesting. because yep. I'm working with resistance as opposed yep. to the water. Now, yes, how yep. that will affect me later on in the season, you know, if racing is, is reinstated, then hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll see. But we'll see. I'm definitely right. I'm definitely a lot stronger physically. So um, it'll be interesting because I've got that training stimulus that I probably wouldn't have had. Um, if I just maintain my swimming, no, well, you wouldn't have done it. That's maybe, right. Maybe, maybe that. Yeah. Maybe that will be the thing that takes my swimming up to, to the, next the next level, level yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or even if it's even if that strength allows me to get clear in the water quicker. You know, then I can ease off more, or or if I get into a pickle, then I might be a little bit stronger. So it's kind of almost exciting to to see, to see the tra yeah. the new training methods, and then maybe it might become the thing where people start doing a lot more indoor paddle work or indoor strength work and maybe less time in the pool. So, you know, it, 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 I'm, I'm quite excited to see how I, how I go. Well, I've actually watched that video and it's actually, it's, fa it's fantastic by the way, for everyone out there, you should watch Kieran Linda's um, dry land swimming video. It's amazing. Um, but you're dead right. And I've spoken to quite a few friends who are not necessarily gun swimmers like yourself, um, but they've been doing, quite a bit of dry land swimming and they've actually had the opportunity to go and, and swim in the open water as I said here the temperatures are still fantastic but they have said exactly the same as you that they just feel so much stronger so yes while they may lose a bit of the feel for the water um, they know that once they can get some time back in the pool or in the open water again um, they'll get that back 
but they won't lose that strength. That strength's going to stay. So I totally agree with you, Kieran. I think, and again, it's all in mindset. If you sit there and say, oh, well, I'm screwed because I haven't been in the pool for two months, I'm done. Well, then, yeah, you're going to be. But if you have that attitude, well, you know what, I've been focusing on getting strong. And once I get that feel back, I know this is going to be of benefit. Um, then I'm, I think for sure we're going to see some some big moves in the swim. Yeah, and that document was based off of um, uh, the work that my uh, girlfriend did. So when um, we, uh, she was going for university, she had to go on placement for um, her physio course. Uh, and this is um, someone that's come from uh, kind of a national medalist swimming background. So similar to almost what you'd say with, with Lucy Charles. Um, You're right, yep. But um, she had to go on placement. So for six, eight weeks, she would, she would go on placement and she would maybe get one or two swims in. Um, but most of the time, it'd be no swimming. And she did the, this paddle work um, that is essentially what my um, training regime is based on. And she managed to maintain her swim fitness to wow. to a level of where she was going, you know, kind of nine minutes for eight hundred meters. <laughs> well, so it, it is it 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 can be done um, just just with very very little swimming, and that's that's what it's based on. So I have full confidence that if I do maintain it, it, it will I will if anything, limit the, the loss. But to be honest, I might not lose anything. No, that's right. That's exactly right. Wow. Now, I just want to ask you, obviously, I've done some podcasts with some fairly well-known triathletes. So, you know, Marinda Carfrey, Tim O'Donnell, Cam Worth, who financially right now are in a good place, even though there's no racing. Um, obviously, they've got some great results behind them, great sponsorships. Um, and so financially, they're, they're, they're okay. I want to ask you, obviously, and when I say new triathlete, a new professional triathlete to long-distance racing, and I know you have sponsors, but let's be honest, you would still rely on racing and prize money as your main form of income. So what is it like for you right now not being able to race, so no prize money, no chance of getting sponsorship um, bonus money? How are you coping um, with this current situation so how my um funnily enough i don't get any um financial support from uh sponsorships i only get kind of products and um at the moment at least my my profile is not big enough where um i'm really sponsored the only company that's kind of behind me at the minute is hoob yeah um but but at the moment there's there's not really any financial gain from from sponsors so all of my income is dependent on um racing uh results and then i work as a, a lifeguard and a, a class instructor um at uh, the local sports center in my area so that's that's how my income is okay. is divided at the minute and i'm kind of working off of a um kind of a a goal that i'm just trying to break even yep uh, which yeah. which is because because at the minute I don't mind going for it because I'll, this is something that I've you know always wanted to do and and if I don't do it it will be you know it'll almost be kind of um, 
I'd be very I'd always regret it so I'm kind of giving it get everything that I've got and as long as I'm not kind of dragging anyone else down with me I'm quite you know happy with that um at the moment I'm trying to get some uh, finalized on some of my coaching qualifications to potentially start doing um, some online coaching work yep. with people that might be interested so that's that's another area that I'm, I'm looking into um, I guess one of the uh, well maybe I don't know fortunate or unfortunate is um, I'm very lucky um, that I'm with um, my my girlfriends um, I live with my girlfriends um, in my girlfriend's house with with her parents parents yep um, and and also my my parents as well would would kind of let me live at home so I'm I'm lucky in the sense that I don't have these massive bills over the top no, of me no um that, that so that that's one benefit that I have is that um, I don't have huge um outgoings most of the outgoings are travel and and components and, and parts um which I can pretty much break even with race results and and the yeah. income that I get from um my work well, I mean, it, it just shows it, it is, it's a tough world out there. And I mean, you're lucky you are still young. So, you know, you're up and coming, but it's, uh, I feel for a lot of pro triathletes, and obviously my job is pro liaison. So I, I deal with an array of professional triathletes from, from the best in the world, right down to ones that are just scraping by. And when I first heard that there could be a chance that there will be no races this year, it just, it broke my heart because I just thought, well, what are these triathletes going to do? But you know what? The th- the greatest thing about triathletes is that that they're they're stayers. So I think, like yourself, you're going to think outside the box and you're going to do everything you can to get through this to ride the wave, um, however long this wave may be. I mean, there is talk that we will get races back right towards the end of the year. I'm still I am I am still holding hope of that, but um, none of us can be really sure um but yeah it, it's a really tricky situation and I just feel for so many pro athletes out there right now that are just that do rely solely on prize money and I mean there's just no prize money to be made right now um moving on um I never I've never asked you this even though I've known you now since our meal last year um do you prefer obviously do you have a coach first of all do you have actually have a coach or do you coach yourself um I um currently I'm coaching myself but I've I've got help from from people that are that I've I've worked with in the past so I've I've kind of got um uh I've got coaches looking in and and saying like oh this would be good to do this session and that would be good to do that session and then I kind of um put it all together in my plan and then I'll I'll go back to them and say this is this is the layout that I'm trying and or this is what I'm going to try and do with the yeah what, what do you think and um I'm I'm quite lucky to work with with people that are that are very good in their own fields, but they always mm-hmm. act as if always act as if you know their opinion could be wrong or or, or needed to be changed or, or ready to learn. And it, it's quite a nice environment where I will say, well, this is what I think. What do you think? And they'll say, well, from my experience, I think we need to do this. And then we put it yeah. together and then see see if, if if that happens and um and then when if if something works keep it in try something new um I've, I've been in the past where i've um i've kind of made the the mistake of almost getting too um com- uh, comfortable with with the training layout um and and kind of just repeating the same thing and the same thing and the same thing and 
Um, yeah. And that's one thing that I'm trying to change at the minute to is not trying new it. things uh, just to see what works and, and, and build up profile from there. And what about training partners? Are you a solo trainer or you prefer to train with people? I love to train with people, um, but being from a um, background of swimming at swimming clubs, riding with a riding club and running with a running club, I've I've kind of always had to kind of put it all together anyway. Mm. Uh, and and part of that means that I'm I'm quite um, happy to do things on my own. Um, so and to to be honest, it's it's away. there's not a lot of people that do the longer side of triathlon. Right, to yeah. to the level that um or maybe not the level but like when i go out and say well i'm going to do a you know, six seven hour ride um there's you don't not get many people you don't get wanna, too many takers yeah <laughs> yeah so so sometimes what i try and do is i try and do a little bit before and meet up with people and then a little yeah, bit okay. after yeah. yeah um but but i think um one of the things that that i i think is quite vital to it is is almost trying to do some of that stuff on your own um I remember the biggest training day that I did was um, I swam in the morning and I did a, a six and a half hour ride and then ran off that. And um, I did that all on my own with no music, yeah. no, wow, nothing okay. like that. And, and, and it's, and it's, um, it's not maybe fun. You maybe go from the, you know, training's fun to this is more of a job, but, yes, uh, yes, yep, yep, yep. but you, but in, in races, you, you don't, you don't get that. So no, it's, right. it's kind of, it, you kind of practicing yourself um sometimes in the past i've got too reliant on listening to music and and when you take that away then i i, I go through the kind of the peaks and troughs oh, yeah. a lot more than than, than when i have and music want, maybe that's, exactly that's cheering me yeah. on yeah oh no i'm hearing you i mean even when i do long runs now on a and a long run for me by the way is like 15 16 kilometers we're not nothing crazy but if i try to do that without any music it's yeah, it's amazing the difference it makes. So I hear you loud and clear on that one. And now yeah. recently you became an official Challenge Family Ambassador. Um, talk to me a little bit about that. And also what are your short-term and long-term goals moving forward? Obviously there are no short-term goals. Well, excuse me, there are no long-term goals at the moment because we don't know when this is going to end. But uh, let's just say short-term goals for now, um, obviously just getting through this crazy period, but then uh, looking forward to 2021, um, what are some goals for you personally that you, you would like to, to meet? I, I think the short-term goal is I just really want to learn more and more as much as I can. Um, I've, I've been very fortunate to meet some great people within the sport and I'm just trying to learn as much as I can. And uh, maybe a long, long-term goal is, is getting to the point where um, I can almost become a, a, a pure full-time athlete in mm. terms of, um, in terms of income. Uh, now what that will look like, I'm, I'm not too sure. Um, but, but that is, that's kind of a, a goal that I have in the back of my mind. Um, I want to return to Almir. I just had yes. such a good time at that race. Um, it just constant support all the way around uh, in the run course. Just the locals flooded out to the to the course and and cheered everyone on, and it was just such a great experience. I think every person that that I met on the bike ride said, "You know, well done, keep it going." Yeah, and, and of course, and, and it was it was just 
it was just lovely to be a part of all of that. So does that mean that you actually want to do another full distance reasonably soon or are you going to, you're going to keep to middle distance? No, this is, this is the, uh, I guess one of the bigger questions. Is, <laughs> yes, um, exactly. Because I personally love, I mean, I've only done one, so I can't, I can't maybe, maybe it's a, uh, uh, I did one and it and it went well and I loved every minute. Well, maybe not every minute of it, but I but I loved majority, the experience. Majority. I loved the challenge yeah. and, and so I had a good experience with that. And I I think I've always known that the longer that I go, I think the more that I enjoy it. And I I just really like that challenge of of really trying to see how far you can go. So I want to do long course, um, but I think that's one of the the reasons that. Um, almost with with the the challenge ambassador role is is i've had people from from challenge you know sit down with me and actually uh, uh, uh kind of pastor parties and things and i've had good conversations with organizers mm. and and they've they've said you know what what are your plans and you know this is what's happened in the past when people have stayed long young and this is what happened if they've done short and sure, yeah, you know i've yeah. i've had i've had race organizers that wanted me to be there or, or or um you know to to make the swim a little bit more exciting or um aspects like that actually sit down with me and say like what are your interests and and this is what I think because we genuinely care about your your well, health and your, your ability and your future, and that's right and, and and I think that's one of the that's one of the reasons that I'm I'm on the challenger ambassador program is that I just when I've come to these events everyone's just been so supportive and and I've come can. from, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've come from backgrounds where um, people pretend they care, and as soon as you're not doing great, they'll they'll kind of look the other way. And uh, and and I was actually very surprised when I first started racing. The events was that I was, you know, I was having people come over and say, "Do you know what? As much as it benefits us, I don't think that you should do this because of this reason. And yeah. um, if you ever need to talk to me, you need to do this and um, we've got people, you know, you can talk to this person, that person, and uh, and then just just the community behind the events. I mean, I've I've sat down in pasta parties with, you know, just the most random people, and and you learn so much about them. And actually, you know, I remember sitting down talking to someone about um, we were just sat down in one of the pasta parties, and um, we were talking about food intake uh, and just learning things from them and and nutrition and 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 I think that's the thing that I kind of fell in love with the events is just the the sense of community and and everyone there is you know even when I I got in the way of some of the the pro athletes on the bike you know oh on your left on your left and I I said oh I'm I'm really sorry I didn't realize you were there and they were like no no don't don't worry about it it's a long race um, <laughs> yeah. they, and they said they said great great swim try and hang on the back if you can it's, it. it's kind of like it's kind of like that 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 is is what it's all about and, yeah, yeah. and understanding that that as much as people are my competitors just to finish the event is enough yeah and, no, I, I i agree i know and of course this year with with challenge Almir, it's the um itu multi-sport championship so i won't lie i am secretly praying and i know i'm maybe i'm getting a bit ahead of myself but it's not till september and i'm just hoping that the world sorted itself out by then because i would love nothing more than to um be at that that race i'm not saying that i'd love to see well i would love to see you there <laughs> um there are many events kieran not just the uh long distance race um many events that that whole week but um 
Yeah, I mean, I'd, obviously we love to have you there because you're just such a great person and you do make the race exciting because you're like that little carrot that we get to dangle out there for quite a long time. <laughs> um, but, yeah, at, at 23 years of age, you know, if, if, if I'm to be Mama, Mama Belinda, um, you know, you've definitely got a, a great career in middle distance racing right now and plenty of time to get into full distance racing. But I'm never one of those people to say, well, no, you just shouldn't do it. Um, you've still got to do what's, what you feel is right for you. I, I, I'm like you. I think get as much advice as you can um, from people that have been there, done that, and in particular when they've made a career of it. Of course, it's great to get advice, but I would never tell someone, no, you shouldn't do it. Um, I think that's that's the decision that you need to make, and you are obviously wise beyond your 23 young years, so I would never tell you what you should or shouldn't do. But, yeah, Definitely, you've got many, many years to um, to start really focusing on on full distance racing. Yeah, and uh, that and that's one of the because because um, when I did the Ironman, I didn't I didn't realize how much um, it affected my body. Not just yeah. to uh, I would I would after kind of the first couple of weeks, I would I'd just feel really really good, and I would go, do you know what? I'm going to go for an easy run or an easy ride or whatever it would be, and and then I'd realize within you know five ten minutes of, of doing it that then I couldn't physically run and I'd be no. walking yeah uh, and that was that was something that I was a bit ambitious and I did Mallorca kind of four weeks after the Ironman and um I realized very quickly that 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 was just not I, I went to the race and I was I, I you know I was okay but it just I wasn't myself Difficult to get um, out of second gear, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and everything was kind of just just a bit restricted, and um, and I guess the the the, the thing about the the Ironman is is to get ready for it, you have to get into such a a strong physical point of mind, yeah. Um, to to be able to undergo that challenge, and that takes a lot out of you, and it also means that. You, you you kind of are prioritizing your your year around maybe one race or a couple of races so um i mean i do enjoy the 70.3 i do mm. do really enjoy it um but i think the ironman is, is something especially in the future that, that i'd really like to really like to to target but i i do agree at the moment being the age i am and definitely being at the point where i need to essentially learn from as many races as i can um, I think I think yeah. I think predominantly I will be sticking to seventy point three, and, and I might I might look at maybe doing one Ironman a, a year, or maybe one every two years, or I might just wait in, until time. But but like you said, um, there's a lot of people out there that have experience, and, and not only just you know one or two race years, but have made a whole career out of it. That that I am really you know fortunate I've been able to talk to and. And trying to make that make those make those decisions for for you know the future investment future, of the sport. Right. Yeah, and you know, obviously longevity. And at twenty three years of age, particularly with long distance racing, you're, you're still a, you're still a pup. And when I look at the likes of Craig Alexander or Cam Brown, um, who are two great examples, Didi Griesbauer, you know, these these athletes are well well into their forties, and they are still kicking butt. So they've obviously done the right thing and, and they've raced a lot of long distance like full distance events but um whatever they're doing they're, they're doing it properly because their bodies are still behaving for them um and I think yeah it's just a matter of of really listening to your body and sometimes as youngsters we 
tend to think that we can get away with a lot of stuff that we we can't. Eventually, it catches up with you. So even though at 22, 23, 24, you think you're okay, um, it's when you hit 30, 31 that you realise, you know what, I've actually, I should have, I should have actually listened to my body a little bit more. And, you know, we want you in the sport for a long time because that's that one of the greatest things about the sport of triathlon is if you look at any other elite sport around the world, um, triathlon, you can have this amazing career that you start in your early to mid-20s and you can be going. I mean, Cam, Cam Brown is 47, I think, and still having incredible races. So... If you want it. so And I love that. I, I freaking love that about our sport. It's not this. You don't have this very short shelf life. If you look after yourself and you do the right things and you still have the passion and the love, um, then you can be, it can be a 20-plus year um, career for you, which is insane when you think about it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think that that is the beauty of the sport. And, and that's why you can – you can have people that are very, very young on the same on the same start line as, as some people that maybe have done it for years. Yeah. And it yeah, is yeah. and it is it is lovely to have that that community. And I and I think um the nice thing about doing three disciplines is that you know, you might wake up on a day and think, oh, do you know what? I just can't I just I just don't think running's gonna be a good idea for me today. Uh, and so go, you've well, got the opportunity well, to swap than, it around. rather than yep. going for yeah rather than going for a run I, you know I'll do my my swim session or I'll, I'll go for an easy ride or and I think that's the nice thing about triathlon where because if if you're anything like me when I miss a session I can get really kind of agitated Fancy. and uh, yeah and yep. I, yeah I can actually get quite um maybe not myself put it that no. way and, I think uh, I think that's a, that's a definitely a a personality trait of pretty much every triathlete I know. Yeah. <laughs> so I understand. Well, I think, but that ability to compromise and just go, well, I can't do that, but I'm going to do that instead. And, instead. It, and, and yeah. it's a lot easier to to be able to say, do you know what, actually today I might not be as good as I – or as strong or or as able to do this as I thought I would. But do you know what, that's fine. I found that that's, that's the level. And instead today I'm going to go for an easy swim or an easy instead, ride. And yeah. I think that that's, a, that's, quite, that's quite beautiful about the sport. It certainly is. I mean, and as I said, I've been re- I've been retired now for I think six, seven years, and I, I I don't swim, bike, and run every day, but I still do a little bit of each. Just I I like to say I, I keep my foot in the door, um, and I'm the same as you. Some days when I head out for an easy run, because that's all I do these days, I'm just not feeling it. So I, you know, I don't push it. I'll, I'll turn around and I'll do something else. Um, and I think that's the the beauty of having a sport that we where we have three disciplines is that you can always pick and choose and you can always do something yeah exactly and 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 you know and and even even the freedom that it can give you i mean maybe not now but um, true, yeah. you know just 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 being able to go do you know what i wonder what's over there or i'm going to yeah. ride to this place today or and I've, I've that was one of the the cool things when i was um a little bit younger was not being able to drive, but being able to to get to places on bike if I needed yes, to. Yes, exactly, if you wanted to. But that's an interesting point you've just brought up, Kieran, because I often think in the current set of circumstances that we find ourselves in, if I wasn't into training, so if I wasn't an athlete, um, and I don't know what I'd be doing with myself right now, I think for all those human beings that are on our planet that do not do some form of training. And I know that's been probably the, the only one of the greatest things that's come out of this 
shitty situation is that, um, and I'm sure you've noticed it back home as well, we certainly have it here in, in Australia, so many more people are out training and exercising who normally would not be um, because I think, well, if I didn't train, I don't know what I'd do all day. Uh, it's crazy. So, yeah, I think, and I know that a lot of people have taken up. I mean, the amount of walkers we have outdoors, I went, we took the dogs to the beach this afternoon here and the amount of people walking on the beach is, it, it, it's at least five times what they would normally be, all keeping social distancing, et cetera, but they're just out there because that's all they're allowed to do at the moment. So it, it's it's interesting that sport continues even to this day, even though I've been retired for that many years, sport continues uh, and exercise continues to bring me so much. Yeah, a lot of people in the, the have, have kind of picked up the exercise because they have time. Uh, and that's one of the things I, uh, why I always respect um, uh, the age group athletes is that, mm. that you know, I, I train um, and, and work part time. But do you know what? I don't understand how people can oh, work a full day of shift Tom, and then go home. And, and, and I've, I've done, uh, I've have worked full time uh, through work experience and only for very short periods of time. But I would do that. And then get home and go. I can't. I can't face I anything. I can't train now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and that's. And I, and I think almost uh, some of the the age groupers, especially the ones that have kind of picked up later in their life, is it's kind of like, yeah, how impressive is that oh, that you can do a full incredible. day of work, yes. and then train. And I think people that um, are maybe not as as you know able to do that have have been given the opportunity to you know experience being like. active. And I, yeah. and I just hope that that because they they're doing it now because they have the time that they they almost yes. find yeah almost find a bit of a, a love to it yeah uh, and that would be that would be beautiful to see and that would actually be uh, a positive that maybe people could take out of exactly. out of the situation and 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 let's let's agree i mean if we can wallow in self-pity as we said before about this circumstance right now but yeah if we can take just one positive away from this horrible you know time in life that would be that would be amazing because at the end of the day, if we can get more people in this world fit and healthy, well, you know, down down the track, if and when the next one comes, um, it's going to be better for us, you know. So I agree with you there. Yeah, uh, it's and and maybe that's a very very small positive to the to the situation, but do you know what? If if that makes you know people around the world you know in, in general a little bit more healthy or even that they find more of an active lifestyle it's you know that that is a that is a, a brilliant thing and, and maybe you might even see them try a triathlon which would be even better and and join yes. the community that, that that's that's around that it it takes it takes to, to to change your habit it takes a lot of effort but yes. once it's there it's it's, it's there, there and, and exactly. that, that's and that's that's a um that's a positive thing and i, I see a lot of people making the effort doing things online for other people and and a lot of uh, and it's and I, I do feel like um it's almost sometimes when when the whole world is going through a tragedy uh it brings out the best in people and I've, I've never seen uh so in this country we're we're, we're under the nhs and um yeah. i think for for a, a long time people have kind of overlooked or maybe questioned the nhs and I think when when you get into a traumatic situation, you actually 
remember how good the medical service is and, and how, yeah, how good much we the, depend the, and rely. Yeah. I, I totally agree, Kieran, totally and, agree. And, if, and I hope that it kind of stays ingrained in people's mind that, you know, when you when you bring up these these issues, maybe in a political debate or when you vote or anything like that, that you actually remember that these services are, are here for a reason and and that they are very, very important. No, I totally agree. And, and even just the mere fact of not taking anything for granted anymore, just the simple things in life that that we just ex- we expect and, and don't even think about now, all of a sudden it's like, well, you know what, I'm not going to take this for granted anymore. I'm, I'm a lucky person. So totally yeah. agree with you. Yeah, yeah. That, that's good. And, and I... I sometimes say, um, especially like at the end of the season, maybe when I'm um, a bit bit more run down and I've I've almost kind of got to the point where the travelling is taking its toll. Toll. And, it sounds and, just and, like and, me. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and the, the organising and all that stuff, you, you kind of go, oh, you know, why am I doing it? And, you know, this is so much effort and what could I be doing? Or I really wish I could do that. And it's funny because it, it takes maybe – three or four days at the end of the season to have off and then go, do you know what? Actually, that that's that's everything that I want to be doing. I'm itching to get out there again. Do you know, you yeah. just, that is my life in a nutshell. I start off at the beginning of the year, keen as beans to get to events, work events. Middle of the year, it's like, oh, yeah, another event. You know, it's okay. Once I'm there, I'm okay. By the end of the year, I'm like, I don't want to leave. I don't want to go. But now that I actually can't go and I haven't been able to work event, well, relatively, I got to go to Challenge Wanaka and I got to work at Mooloolaba. Um, but other than that, and now I'm just thinking I am never going to whinge and moan about having to get on an aeroplane again and travel to an event. Um, and you're dead right. I'm just not going to take it for granted anymore. I'm a lucky person that I actually get to do that. So yeah. next time, if you ever, I, I, give you, I give you permission, if you ever hear me whinging about, <laughs> flying overseas again to Europe or to the States. I want you, you get permission to say, hey, listen, I remember that phone call we had. <laughs> well, I, uh, I think I think your um, some of your flight history is, is, is maybe been a little bit more extreme than the others. <laughs> I remember the, the, the uh, your your 1,000 flights to get to, to Daytona. Oh, to Daytona. That was, <laughs> I mean, that was insane. It was at the US. I'm thinking, oh, surely it can't be that bad. I just, you know, I fly to LA and then I'll be there. But you know, it was another it was another two or three flights from LA, and I'm like, how big is this country? I keep forgetting how big the states actually is, and it's it's huge. But um, yeah, that was that was worth the travel. That's for sure. That race yeah, was well funny, and truly worth the trip. That, the funny thing with that was that I was ready to whinge about my nine hour flight, and, <laughs> and then I found out <laughs> yeah, that other right. people had been for a day, so I kind of very quickly quietened <laughs> down. Oh, I won't say anything. Oh, it's funny, but yeah, you know, it's it, you whinge and moan, but one good night's sleep and you're ready to roll. So that's the that's the main thing. And I am crossing my fingers so tight that um, Challenge Daytona takes place this year. I mean, it's it's the one race that you know, even though I know the states is in a terrible way right now, having a race December, you know, it's like that is it. If we can't have a race in December, then we ain't having a race all yeah, year. So it's like, surely we can get this one race in, in December. And I know that if if we can, if it is possible, uh, it's going to be phenomenal. That's for sure. Yeah, that that race is still a. It was Quite just. Right. Yeah. It, it was it was almost like a dream because you don't expect to like even with some of the really really famous races that they say it's an amazing. Usually it's the crowd or it's the scenery or but that race was just. It was something else in terms of it, it, to to be racing on that round that that circuit was just you know I couldn't believe that I was there. And I remember coming back home and 
on almost not knowing what to do with myself because it was like I'd just woken up <laughs> yes. and I didn't I didn't know what what was going just on happen? did that happen <laughs> I yeah. listen I've been to many events and um I I felt the same way so yeah they're a truly incredible team over there in uh, Challenge Daytona that's for sure they know they know how to look after the athletes yeah and and I can't believe how how close everyone was because we were in the middle of a, a circuit you essentially had um age groupers race staff professional athletes just all in one area and it was it was really funny to just just see people you know talking to technical staff and finding out about <laughs> yeah. them and then and then one minute and then you're racing around the track in a in a in a nascar and then and then oh look over here you've got you've got lionel and lucy just you know walking about having hanging a look out, at the place hanging out as they do that's right yeah uh, and it, it, it was it was funny when um we were just we were just kind of walking to our to our briefing and you had um all the, the pro athletes together and you know we were just walking by by you know just friends and family of, of other athletes and we almost became just just one big we one big huddle and everyone was just talking to each other and it, that was that was really nice to see there was no barriers or restriction no, restricted zones it was just everyone in a, in an area which was which was really really good to see yeah it's pretty cool so fingers crossed that um that is the one race that I am honestly hoping does take place this year and I know that the team there are working very hard but um yeah that would be awesome it'd be an amazing way to finish the year that's for sure oh 100 percent well, listen, Kieran. I will not leave you. I will not. Um, not leave you. I will not hold you on any longer. You've been absolutely amazing. You are wise beyond your years. That's for sure. Um, it's such a pleasure talking to you. Uh, I know you've probably got some training set for today. It's only set, still fairly early on Saturday morning. Yeah, it's coming up to ten o'clock. So 10 o'clock. yeah, I've got 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 a um, got a big ride to do uh, indoors, looking at a wall. But, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, and no, I've got, got a ride to do and then I'll um, I'll go for a, for a run later and then probably finish the day off by doing some um, indoor swimming cords. Awesome. That sounds like yeah, a very nice, productive Yeah, it'd be a nice day. day. Perfect. Yeah, it's it. Perfect. <laughs> and, well, and you're, I, I, you're going not, off to bed. It's, it's a perfect day considering the circumstances that we are all faced in at the moment. Oh, so, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I uh, can't wait to talk to you again, but thank you so much for your time tonight. Um, it's been a pleasure. See you later. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks, darling. Bye. Thanks for listening to Coffee Calls with Belinda. I really hope you enjoyed listening. If you'd like to continue listening and stay updated on our latest podcasts, then please subscribe. It would also be great if you could rate our podcast and leave us a review. If you have any specific questions you'd like me to ask the athletes, then please send through to the following email address podcast at challenge slash family.com. The making of these podcasts would not be possible without the wonderful help of our great partners. Powerbar, Otso, Zone 3, Lubos Billick at LB Training, Sport No Limit Group and Velosop. But for now, thanks so much for listening and I'll be back soon for another coffee.